From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. The coronavirus has altered hospital operations, and that includes the provision of spiritual care. With me to talk about how things are going at Upstate University Hospital is the Reverend Terry Culbertson. She leads spiritual care and the clinical pastoral education program at Upstate. Welcome to HealthLink on Air. Thank you so much, Amber. Really appreciate being here. So how is your team tending to the spiritual care needs of patients during this time when visitors are not allowed? Great question. Um, yeah, that, I think that was our very first um, real adjustment was no more families and no more of our volunteers. We are a department that relies heavily on um, folks uh, assisting and working alongside of us. Many of them are graduates of our training program. And um, without those folks helping, we lost half our workforce immediately, um, both campuses, both at community and downtown. So we really had to rethink um, what was our priority. And clearly it's folks who are end of life, folks who uh, are changed in terms of their prognosis, diagnosis, um, people who are alone and don't have anybody at all. Um, and we were able also to start establishing a remote team of people to help us who are part of our uh, department. So we have, we started thinking about, well, we could have inside, outside, sort of like the movie, <laughs> inside out. Um, the outside team are the ones making the remote calls to families of vented patients, such as our COVID patients. And not just checking on them, but really offering pastoral support. You know, how hard it is not to be able to see your loved one. Um, I think that to me is the most agonizing thought, not to be able to come in and be next to your, your, your loved one who's very critically ill. So our remote team has been really doing daily support families. And um, then we expanded. We thought, well, we are getting more COVID positive patients who are not vented. We don't go in those rooms as chaplains usually because of the PPE issue. So we established and expanded the remote team to include those people. <laughs> and um, one of the things they're doing is asking directly, how can we assist with the spiritual needs while they're in the hospital? We have a lot of different um, opportunities here. Like we have our own TV station where we broadcast our services live. We did all of the Holy Week, Easter, um, and patients can tune in for free, even though they obviously can't be there. Um, we have figured out a way to bring Holy Communion to patients who are on COVID precautions without actually going in the room. It's kind of complicated, but it's really cool. And um, we just kind of, kind of continually are thinking out of the box. Um, one really wonderful thing that happened, several area pastors called and wanted to help. And of course, they can't come inside here. And uh, one pastor has managed to get us a numerous number of what we call prayer shawls or prayer blankets and did all the washing, did all the bagging. And, you know, you think about if you're a patient in a room with no family, and you want to feel comforted. Being covered with this lovely, beautiful, colored prayer blanket is an incredible comfort. And the people that make them pray as they make them. So that was quite a wonderful addition to our work. Um, 
these prayer blankets being made for us. It sounds like you've come up with a lot of sort of creative ways to adapt. I think that's what we, every day we're thinking, Amber, what can we do that would be creative? For example, also, we've had a hospital choir in our department for probably almost 10 years. And we round once a week and we go to the bedside. We do referred um, singing. <laughs> and it sounds a little different, but, you know, singing, there's an old saying, if you sing, you pray twice. And it's a great spiritual intervention. So you can imagine everything's shut down. We all have to wear masks. Um, we as a choir weren't sure what to do, but we still had referrals. And we decided to try remote choir singing. So we went up to a COVID floor and there was a gentleman there who was a musician and was alone and sad and anxious. And um, we got on the iPad and FaceTimed with him and we asked him what he wanted. And he said, well, I really like the Beatles. And we sang, let it be. And he cried and we cried and it was very powerful. And the next day he actually got released, which wow. was really great. Yeah, so that was cool. <laughs> That's got to lift the spirits of the staff as well, just to hear. Yeah. To hear the music. Yeah. Yeah, I think that um, that seems to have been true, you know, over the years when we come around. Um, the choir, one of our mottos is we don't practice. And <laughs> the other motto we have is you might feel better when we stop singing. It's kind of a joke. But, um, the choir, the I think staff have always been very kind to us and very, uh, really like hearing the music on the words. And um, it, sometimes we sing directly to them too. But um, so the choir is reinventing itself, I guess, is what's happening. So you're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, and I'm talking with the Reverend Terry Culbertson from Upstate University Hospital's Department of Spiritual Care. So what has this pandemic done to the clinical pastoral education program? Well, um, our CPE program, as it's called, is a nationally accredited training program through the Department of Education. There's only 300 in the entire country. So um, we are very fortunate that administration here has seen the validity of having such a training program. And we have students coming from the 14 counties who are either um, seeking ordination and needed for their process or their seminary degree, or because they are thinking they might wanna become chaplains or are interested in enhancing their pastoral ministries. So um, this past year we've had, we had 12 students in training. That's a lot of students. And they were all assigned different clinical arenas. Two thirds of them um, really could not continue do the clinical work as of about a month ago. It was their age, um, their family's concerns, um, health concerns. Um, so it really affected us a great deal. Um, there's a, a clinical component that's required for the training of uh, a certain number of hours. So um, luckily, most of them had almost completed that number. But the thing that changed, Amber, was the uh, our direct instructional time. Like we do a lot of experiential education, um, role play, acting out scenarios, replaying patient visits. How can we get better? What did we do that we could improve? And um, 
So we began to meet on Zoom. And I don't know about you, but you know, Zoom is great. It's not the same. It's kind of challenging with all the little boxes of faces. But um, I was really proud of the groups. They really adapted. We were able to figure out how to um, do the um, shared screen thing. And last Thursday, we graduated the 12 students and we did a Zoom graduation. And oh. the cool thing was, um, because it gave more access to people that couldn't get here, we had over 50 people participate in Zoom. Oh. It was cool. <laughs> so um, yeah, I'm working uh, right now on um, our summer program will start in a couple of weeks. Unfortunately, a number of people that were uh, coming are no longer coming. I imagine. Right. So we're not sure what that's going to look like or what, what does curriculum look like in COVID? In other words, the things we traditionally teach, I think, have to be changed and rethought. Um, and that's going to be a big challenge the next couple of weeks. Well, in terms of, of patients with COVID, um, coming to a hospital can be a scary experience anytime. But during this time of COVID, it's, it's even more so. So what are you saying to help put people at ease if they have to be in the hospital? Yeah, it's hard. A lot of the COVID patients that I've connected to um, through the phone or trying to do the remote thing is um, they're so tired and they're so worn. It's, it's very difficult, I find, to connect to a number of them. Now, one of my remote team members uh, is really trying to connect every day with patients on one of our units called 6K, for example. And, um, what we're trying to do is really utilizing good, the good practice of listening. One of my chaplains used to say, a listening is practicing good shut up. <laughs> so in other words, really giving people the opportunity to speak their fears without being told, don't feel that way. Very much feels that way. It feels that way for them, for their families, for staff, um, and to, um, be able to fully hear the feelings and validate them, I think is clear. The second thing is then to um, discover with that patient what has been your resources to her over the years. Everybody who comes in here has had a life and they've had things that have been hard in their lives. And when they remember what they've utilized in their life to cope, a lot of times it comes down to, you know, it's really been my faith. It's been my belief in a God that's always with me. Um, that recollection and recalling to mind of the strengths of that person's life then can help them cope and, and allay some of their fear, I think, as well. So those are things. And the third thing is really um, the utilization of religious ritual, even remotely. Like I mentioned, um, we had a patient that was COVID positive that went at Holy Communion. And one of the chaplains at Cross Hospital actually gave us this idea. You, you can do the prayers through, we have a little device called a Vasera. Well, the nurse is in the room and the communion host can be carried in in a small little baggie. And then the patient can take it out and take it themselves. And then the so, Vasera device, they could hear your voice through that, right? the voice and hear the prayers right as well. And then the nurse that's in there can 
participated, if that's something important to them. Um, so that's been really very powerful to continue to think about religious ritual and that it looks different remotely. You know, Amber, one of the things about chaplains, we love to hold hands and we love to hug and touch and, and you know, that whole challenge of not being able to do that is very difficult. Um, somebody gave me the word, they said, what we're doing now is um, proximal intercessory prayer, a change from touching. So proximal intercessory means it's approximately, um, you know, present, but not necessarily in the same location. <laughs> Um, and I thought about that. I thought, you know, God and the spirit is non-local. You know, prayer can cover the globe. And um, I think that that's a very powerful way to think that just because we're not necessarily next to each other doesn't mean we're not together. But people, you know, haven't been able to gather at church or synagogue for, for weeks now. Um, right. I wonder whether you believe there's going to be any sort of lasting effect from this disruption? I don't know. It's a really good question. It was, um, you know, and Ramadan's going on right now, and it's really, you know, a very hard thing not to have the rituals and the gatherings every night like traditional. I was so impressed by one of the masjids in town has created a, a safe um, a, a space in their masjid. They've coated things with plastic and they're keeping social distance but people are coming in to pray. And I think that um, trying to figure out other ways to worship, a lot of churches are being creative. Here at Upstate, you know, we, we have had daily worship. We've just had to limit the numbers, but we feel like um, we've really been good at remote worship for many years here because um, most of our patients can't come down and remote worship has been part of worked on. So uh, we're very grateful to have a TV station of our own. And it's amazing how I've had patients say to me, I felt like you were talking directly to me, like you were looking right at me. And I'm like, no, I, I certainly was trying to make eye contact <laughs> through the camera, <laughs> you know. Um, but um, I know, um, you know, it was hard for uh, our, our priest chaplain, he did the Holy Week services. And you know, it's hard not to do the regular rituals of having all the people together and singing with their voice. And how will it change worship? Um, one of our students who's a pastor, he said he thinks actually it has helped his church because people that were not able to come because they were too sick or couldn't get there, he actually has had more people. Do we all need time to grieve because some people have lost loved ones, some people have lost jobs, and we've all lost our way of life? Yes. Um, you know, Amber, I think um, pausing to acknowledge our loss, I mean, as we're talking, I feel tearful because you're right, nothing is the way it's been. And I know even here with chaplaincy, we grieve the loss of being able to be close to patients and families and um, comforting them and, and being present and holding their hand. You know, people who can't see faces because we're all wearing masks. People have lost their jobs. Um, I was talking to my sister who's a dental hygienist in Baltimore. She's lost her income 
she doesn't know if she can return to work and has no benefits. Um, I also was thinking about the grief, the loss of our loved ones um, through, through death or through uh, health we can't see. So every grief in this crisis, in this pandemic, is what I would call complex and complicated grief because it's connected to so many issues in society that um, evoke multiple reactions. And I think to really acknowledge those and not to dismiss those is key, not to feel like, oh, I should just power through or to dismiss it as insignificant. Um, I think when we grieve, we reach a new level of depth. And the psalmists talk about lament. We lament for perhaps what we've lost, and then we can claim what we found. And the new foundness, I believe, will leave us stronger. So is there anything you believe this pandemic experience is going to teach us as a society? I pray it teaches us kindness, the importance of connectedness, communication, and that truly the greatest gift of being a human being is to be here for one another. Thank you to the Reverend Terry Culbertson. She leads Upstate's Department of Spiritual Care and the Clinical Pastoral Education Program. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.